Hey, what up? And welcome to the Water With Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am a fellow 20-something creating this podcast for you, my 20-something friends, or 20-somethings at heart. My hope and prayer is that you walk away from each episode feeling encouraged, challenged, and refreshed in your walk with the Lord. I invite some legit older, wiser women on to help us along this journey and remind us that we will indeed survive. I am pumped that you're here. Hey girl, hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm diving into a topic on unhealthy friendships with my gal, Kelly Needham. This topic weighs heavy on my heart and I've dreamed about chatting with Kelly for years now. When I was in college, I was involved in a very unhealthy friendship and I felt super alone and confused throughout the whole thing. I came upon a blog series in that time by Kelly called A Tale of Two Friends and seriously, it slapped me in the face with my reality and it really helped me begin my journey of seeking help and healing from that friendship. Kelly just released a book literally yesterday called Friendish and it is so powerful. It's on my top favorites of the year for sure and everyone needs to go get it now and read it. I'm not kidding. It has impacted me so deeply and I think it is filled with so much important conversation around friendship and it's not talked about a lot. I am praising God that I can share this episode with you today because I've gone through many years of healing surrounding this topic, and I know God can use my story and this book to impact so many of you. I am more than pumped for you to listen, so let's get on with it. Well, hey, Kelly, welcome to the Water With Lemon podcast. I have been so excited to have you on. Yay. Thanks for having me, Emma. Yes, of course. I've been so excited. And so how about you just kind of start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like these days? Yeah, well, um, I know this sounds really corny, right, on a Christian podcast, but I just love Jesus. And hopefully that's like a given, I guess. But he's just the favorite part of my day. Um, I love him and I love getting to know him through the word. So that that really is like my favorite thing mm. in my life. So, um, I, yeah, I love, I love the Lord. And then, you know, as I followed him, uh, he's led me into marriage. I've been married for 13 years, almost. Nice. And we have three kids. Um, one of our children's adopted. So my mom and adoptive mom. And, um, I love talking about Jesus. So I've been able to write about Um, him and what following him looks like in different aspects of our world. And I get to teach about that sometimes, which is really fun. Um, But that honestly is, is not the majority of my life. I know those are the cool things that like maybe other people see, but most of my life is spent doing laundry and making lunches (laughs) and responding to emails and cleaning my kitchen about four times a day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, being a good neighbor to my neighbors down the street, being in my local church. So a pretty normal life. Um, I've just got a few little extra things. That little maybe other little people, side hustles. Right. <laughs> that know about me. But yeah, it's a, a pretty average mundane day in, day out most days. Right. Life of a mom. <laughs> yep. I love that. And just getting to be able to write and speak and all of that on the side. That's, that's mm-hmm. fun to kind of have yeah. just to be able to still almost be in ministry in a way, um, but still be able to be like a full-time mom. That's such a cool opportunity. 
It is. It's definitely a, a surprising thing that the Lord has brought into my life. Definitely didn't expect that. Um, so as he sanctified me, I, uh, yeah, I'm totally, that's all been really open hand. So I feel um, really honored that he would entrust me with any of that. And yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how it works like that. I feel like that's pretty much everybody's story is, yeah, I didn't expect to be in this space or mm-hmm. I didn't realize this is where I'd be, but I'm so grateful I am. And I'm so grateful yeah. God is God and I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it's different to hear that part of people's stories because it's so tempting to want to chase those things down. But I think when you listen to people's stories, you just see faithful people. They're just trying to be faithful with what's in front of them. And the Lord in different seasons brings neat things in and out. And I think that's my hope for anyone I interact with is just be faithful with what's right in front of you instead of chasing these kind of cool things that we see in other people's lives. It's like, no, he's giving us things right now, right here to be faithful with. And he's good. He'll, he'll bring what needs to be brought into our life. We don't necessarily have to go hustle to get it, you know, right. Um, Be faithful and, um, be okay with what he gives us, you know? Yes. Yes. That's so true. I love that. And I'm excited that, you know, you have the opportunity and and now you're about to come out with a book. And, um, I bet that's been a whole like different journey for you. Right. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about that and, uh, kind of what inspired you to write it? Yeah, I definitely would love to. Um, Man, it, it has been a, a surprising journey. The Lord really has convicted me of, of pride a lot in my journey with Him. And so honestly, public ministry of any kind is kind of the last thing on my list of what I want to do because yeah. it just feels um, like, Lord, I feel like the least trustworthy person to walk in any of those lanes. But honestly, it has kept me on my knees more than anything else. And I've yeah. prayed that a lot in my journey with Him is keep me needy. So He's answering. But um, I definitely didn't dream about writing books. I didn't dream about writing books on friendship. Um, I got a finance degree in college. I did not like writing. So um, it's really funny to me that uh, I'm about to release a book. So and the genesis of, of this book is really that I couldn't find um, a book on friendship that I needed when I was in my 20s, walking with my friends and other young women, um, mm-hmm. seeing just really interesting struggles come up in friendship, not the mean girls type of struggle, not the like catty behind your back, backstabbing things, but like girls who are really trying to be good friends to each other and really trying to seek the Lord together. But still we're seeing these really um, unhealthy friendship patterns. And I was like, what's what's going on here? I was looking for books, looking for resources, and I just couldn't find anything. And so that's really where this book started was me looking for a resource on this and praying for the Lord to provide one. And uh, I think his answer to that prayer was he, through a lot of means, equipped me to write it. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that's really what what is behind that is my search for a resource I couldn't find. And so I'm, I'm hoping um, Lord willing that he'll use my research on this to, to be that for other people, you know, be totally. the I needed. Yeah. Will you, will you tell us a little bit more about just kind of your twenties and maybe a little bit more about those friendships and just kind of what you were seeing and, and maybe what your reaction to it was. And yeah, just like, cause most of my listeners are in their twenties and I see a lot of uh, college girls or fresh out of college. And so, you know, kind of right in there, like what was life like for you then? And, and how are you seeing all of that? 
Well, I, I do have to be honest about my 20s and that it, it wasn't the normal 20-year-old experience. Um, Jimmy and I got married when we were 20. <laughs> so yeah. that's not very normal. Um, that was kind of surprising to me. I didn't expect that and honestly was kind of excited for a longer season of, of singleness when I was in college. But God had different plans <laughs> and with a lot of counsel of a, a lot of you know older couples in our lives, we made that decision and um, and partly based on his music career taking off. And, and so I did, I spent my twenties as a married woman, but, um, a lot of my friendships, I stayed, you know, in deep fellowship with other women in my life in that time. And there were a lot of times when Jimmy was on the road and I was, you know, by myself. And, um, so friendships were really important to me in that time. And, you know, college and young adulthood is, is really challenging for friendship because you kind of get uprooted from your home and all your friends you had in high school, and you're thrown into this new place with a thousand people, and you're looking for you know, who who are my people? Where am I going to land? Where is home? You're rooming with people your own age, and it, it's kind of a season of instability. And I think there's a natural mm. response in us to look for stability in our friends, and I think that's what I was seeing in in some of these friendships. Uh, probably a really innocent and genuine desire for just something stable, and looking to friends for that. And so then when something would change in those friendships that they had kind of relied on for some stability, it kind of threw everything off. So that could have looked like, um, you know, one of my friends, her roommate started dating somebody and that kind of threw off their, their normal rhythms. And they eventually got engaged and got married. And I know anyone who's listening, who's been through that, you're single and you watch your friend go through that. That can be a really hard transition for a friendship. Um, Mm -hmm. Or even just who you choose to room with year after year. That can be really, you know, can throw your friendships through a loop just depending on how you make those decisions yeah. and who you draw close to and who you don't. And um, sometimes in seeing people, some of my good friends cling to their friends, like out of a desire to not lose the stability they'd found there, it started to just manifest in, in really um, unhealthy ways, whether it was just a lot of jealousy, a lot of kind of demandingness, like you have to be here at this time, like this is our time to be friends, you know, just really um, tightening the grip around certain friendships. And I started to see that. And that was where a lot of my questions came of just going, man, this is, how do we do this? Is it okay to make those kind of claims? You know, can you say this is my best friend and you can't make another friend? And can we tell our friend who's about to get married that they have to keep up with us to a certain, you know, degree. Now that they're married, where's the rule book for all this? And, you know, that, that, was, yeah. that was hard. It was hard for me to learn how to counsel my friends and, and walk with them through some of those things. So it was, it was confusing and messy and, um, unstable. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> um, that's really what, yeah, my, my twenties was full of a lot of those kind of friendships. Um, facing that my own friendships and then walking with my friends in their situations as well, as we're all kind of looking for, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. And it, it, like you said, it's kind of confusing because you say like, you know, well, is it okay to say those things? And you know, what is like too far? Um, and you know, a lot of conversations I've had were like, well, it's just like, you're just best friends. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like you're just, you're just really close. You're just best friends. So why is that weird? Um, 
And so let's kind of talk about some of the signs of when it's like becoming unhealthy. Like when are friendships kind of going towards being codependent? And I know that's kind of a big term that some people may have never heard of before or don't really Mm -hmm. understand. And so would you kind of just touch on like when it becomes unhealthy and what that term codependent even means? Yeah. Well, um, I'll start with just talking about the word codependent, um, that actually the word codependent is technically like in counseling books and counseling world is a, is, um, a person who is responding unhealthily to a dependent person. So, Mm. um, you would have, you know, maybe if you look at two best friends, one friend is super, like, I can't live without you to their friend, um, whatever that looks like. And then the other person who maybe doesn't feel that way, but they kind of, they, they choose to meet the needs of that needy friend. They're technically the codependent yeah. person. I don't know if that makes sense. So you've got, both yeah. people are, are in a cycle of either demanding, making needs known or meeting needs in a way that becomes really cyclical and ingrown and, um, in a place where really what's happening is that friendship, that relationship is controlling you. It's um, becoming a, a very, um, yeah, a controlling force in your life. And that type of pattern can happen in any relationship, honestly. It can happen in a marriage. It's not healthy in a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it can happen in a parent-child relationship. It can happen with a coworker and their boss or, you know, two people who are roommates. Um, it can happen anywhere. So we're specifically just talking about it in friendship, but it can happen anywhere. And there's a lot of books on codependency out there. Um, and honestly in the book friendish, I purposely stayed away from that word because Mm -hmm. I think people have a real negative response to it. And they kind of write off that they have any problems in friendship. They hear the word codependent, like, Oh, I'm not codependent. And then they move on. But honestly, as I interviewed people and I researched for this book, I found in and honestly, myself, as I was reading the word about these things, you know, I see these, these problems crop up in my own heart all the time. I might not let them get out of control like I saw in some of my other friends' lives, but those problems are there. And really what it is, is it's a problem of idolatry. It's a problem of I've let a person in my life become too important to me. Um, above mm-hmm. my loyalty to Christ, I'm putting my loyalty to this person. And that may look like I really want this person to be my friend and I'm really needy of them. But it also could look like, man, there's a friend in my life who really needs me to be in their life and I don't like conflict. So I'm going to keep meeting that need. And Mm -hmm. that's also, I'm letting that friendship control me, even though it doesn't feel like, you know, I I have to have you as my best friend. um, It's still, I was seeing some of those types of effects in my life where still certain friends had a real controlling power over me and my decision-making and only Christ should, should be that, um, have that much weight in my life and that Mm -hmm. much control over, you know, how, where I go, what I do with my day, what, you know, all these big decisions. So I really, in the book stayed with words like idolatry, um, healthy and unhealthy, just to try and keep people open-minded to the idea that sure, problems yeah. are probably in your life because I see them in mine and it's good for us to call them what they are and, um, and fight for, for health and our friendships. So, um, yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I don't know if I answered that second question of obvious signs, but I think anything that, that you see in a friendship that is, has a real controlling power over you is a really um, blanket kind of, you know, sign. And then that will manifest in a myriad of ways, avoiding conflict, sometimes jealousy. Um, it'll manifest in, you know, a, a lot of, um, a lot of heightened emotions about that friendship. So that friend making a new friend, if that makes you feel really unsteady mm-hmm. and really nervous and scared, that's probably a good sign that that friendship is meeting a need in you and that is is really powerful. And honestly, friendship should be very generous. We're called to love our friends, not use them to meet our needs. And so when we're using mm-hmm. our friends to meet our needs and they their ability to meet our needs is threatened, and we cling to them, there's, there's an unhealthy component in that friendship, um, to varying degrees, you know, in, in different people's lives. Yeah. And I like that you said the jealousy is kind of like a main, a main component to that, just like the almost like territorial, you know, and some people could think that, well, that's just because they're best friends. That's because they have a closer Mm -hmm. relationship. But once you start kind of like cutting off others or, um, you know, making it to where, you know, for me and my story, it was a lot of, I couldn't go a day without letting, um, my friend know everything about it kind of thing. And I felt almost incomplete, uh, without making sure like she knew everything. And so it's, it's jealousy, it's idolatry of the person. And so just being aware of those things and, Something Mm -hmm. else that I'd love for us to touch on, and I know it's a little bit more heavy and and uncomfortable, but how sometimes being in unhealthy friendships and having kind of that idolization of another friend can lead to um, sexual sin. And so Mm -hmm. I do want to touch on that because I know that there could be girls out there that maybe struggle with this and and, you know, just kind of have never been made aware. And with everything that's going on in our world with being able to take charge of um, your sexuality or, you know, mm-hmm. um, just the whole idea of kind of the freedom in that. Um, and as Christians, it's a it's a confusing topic. And so would, would you just kind of touch on, um, you know, how sometimes that can lead to sexual sin and and, and kind of maybe the root of why that happens. Totally. Yeah, I think that's actually fairly common for that to happen for um, friendships that are extremely dependent on one another. Uh, kind of that like, like what you were talking about, this is my best friend. So kind of the world's version of best friendship, I think is actually something really unhealthy, but um, it's really normal culturally. So I think we kind of enter... I know some of my friends entered into friendships like that very innocently, very Mm -hmm. unknowingly, um, not willfully walking into something that they thought was sinful. They thought, man, Mm -hmm. I just hit the jackpot. I found my best friend and we get each other and it feels great. It's meeting a lot of needs. Um, In the book, I describe friendships like this as friendships that mimic marriage. They're very exclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, In some ways, it's kind of, we have this desire for that one person, our person who meets all our needs and they're always there for us and kind of what I think we think marriage will do for us. If we're not married yet, we'll just kind of look for that in a best Mm. friend. 
and kind of create this kind of one flesh type of union with a friend. We'll, you know, share everything. Like you said, we're sharing all the details of our lives. And so it's no surprise to me when, when that kind of exclusivity is being fostered, that it, um, will lend itself to sexual temptation because that's really what's happening, um, in any dating relationship and a marriage is you're seeing two people tie their lives together and that Mm. will naturally want to manifest physically, which is why you see couples who get engaged, the closer they get to their wedding, the harder it is to, um, stay pure in their physical relating to one another because they're literally planning their lives together. And so there's a natural desire to express that physically, to be one physically. And so there's a similar thing happening, um, in friendship, but I, I would say it's it's unhealthy in, in that it's coming, you know, for a, two people to have that desire moving into marriage, that, that desire is healthy. But in a friendship, what's happening is you've idolized this person and um, they have become more important to you than God. And Romans will say, when we exchange um, the glory of God for created things, when we begin to look to a created thing, a friend, above our creator, then that distorted worship leads to distorted desires, desires sexually that are not natural and not fitting within the natural realm of how God has meant them to be manifested. And so I actually saw this in a lot of my friends, and that was a big part of why I was looking around going, who who is talking about this? I've never seen this before. I actually had one friend tell me, a really good friend of mine, say, I want to be married so bad, like to a man. I, I Mm -hmm. hunger for marriage, but here I am in this friendship with my roommate and, um, a friend and they were struggling to not, uh, make out with each other. And Mm -hmm. she was going, I don't even, who do you tell about something like that as a Christian? Where do you go to (laughs) confess something like that? She was so distraught and confused and Mm -hmm. bewildered by what she was experiencing that she just kept it to herself and honestly didn't share with me until it was many, many years later. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was able to say, honestly, that's not super abnormal. I've seen that in a lot of, um, a lot of friendships that I had walked with. And I think the root of it is very simple. Um, the, The world will say, oh, maybe you didn't know it, but you were bisexual or you're a lesbian and, and they'll lump an identity onto that sin struggle, which is such a heavy burden. But the Bible will just say, you're an idolater. You're an idolater. <laughs> you yeah. worshiped something that was not God. And it led to a distorted desire within you to act out sexually in a way that was not appropriate, which by the way, can happen when you idolize a boyfriend and are with him sexually outside of marriage, that is a distorted sexual desire. That is not a right manifestation of sexuality either. So there's also some, you know, it's not just in homosexual behavior that that can come out. But I think the Bible's response to that is a simple and helpful one. Um, It might not be what we want to hear, but it's very simply, you're just a female sinner. (laughs) And (laughs) your sin has manifested in this way because you worship something created, not the creator. And your response is the same in any sinful moment. You repent. You turn back to God. You say, God, I'm sorry. And I've worshiped something that's not you. And it has manifested in all these ways. And I'm just coming back to you. And in repentance, um, it says in Isaiah 30, 
uh, 15, it's in repentance and rest that we are saved. We rest in the works of Christ on our behalf, and we keep coming back to him every day. And I know that 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 journey is obviously much more complex, and there's a lot of things that maybe have to get dealt with in that friendship and, you know, outside of that. But the simple answer, if anyone's listening to this mm-hmm. and, and finds himself there, is just turn back to the Lord. You're you're a sinner like the rest of us, and Jesus is a really great Savior, and He is able to rescue from any problems we find ourselves in, no matter how complex they are. Um, but I have seen, especially in women, friendship idolatry be a catalyst for sin to come out in that kind of homosexual way. It can be really confusing to people. I get that, and. I, this is something that's just heavy on my heart as well. And, Mm. and it can be, like you said, so hard because nowadays our culture has said, well, if you had any sort of like inclination to be attracted to Mm. a girl, like then Mm -hmm. you should probably be questioning like what your sexual orientation is. Um, and, and for me and, and my unhealthy friendship in college, it was kind of the same thing where, you know, I started to kind of question, um, the same thing. And, and Mm -hmm. when I, when I came and read your blog post, I think it was the first time that I realized like, oh man, no, this, this is the fact that I have idolized a person Mm -hmm. and that has manifested itself into, um, a deeper sin. And so yeah. it, it it's so hard and it's so tricky. And, you know, I had to think and pray a lot about the fact that, you know, we as humans desire connection and mm-hmm. we desire to be known. And, and that's kind of like the root of maybe why this happens. And, and we're not wrong for wanting to be known and not wrong for wanting connection, but it's, it's when that replaces our need for Jesus and the desire to be known and seen by him that it, that it gets out of whack. Totally. And I think a great verse for people to think on with what you're saying to not demonize their desires for that connection is Mm -hmm. in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 2.13, where um, you see the Lord making a statement about his people and their sin. And what he says is, you have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and you have hewn for yourself cisterns, Just cistern would just be a, a thing to hold water in. So you're digging cisterns for yourself that are broken. They cannot hold water. So God doesn't look at them and say, you are so evil because you are thirsty. He doesn't mm-hmm. demonize their thirst, their desire. What the problem is, is they were taking their thirst to the wrong place. They, He's saying, I am the fountain of living waters. I have designed you to have all your needs met in me, but you refuse to come to me and instead go to these other things that can't actually satisfy your thirst. They just leave you thirstier than you were before. And mm. that's what's offensive to him. And so for anyone who's looking for, like you said, connection, stability, significance, or um, hope for freedom from loneliness or other things, ultimately, Jesus, knowing him, knowing God through him, is the fountain of living waters. That is how we get those needs met. But most of us, because we're born natural sinners, sin is very natural to us. We look at that Mm -hmm. and we go, no, God can't meet those needs. Or I don't want him to meet those needs because that requires maybe change in my life. It requires I own sin. It requires things of me I don't want to give. And so, no, I refuse to go to God 
to, you know, wait on him to get those things met. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go to my friend Mm -hmm. or I'm going to go to my boyfriend or I'm going to go to this ministry that I love and is my life, or I'm going to, you know, go to these other things. They're not bad things. Friends, we need friends and marriage Mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing. It's not bad to have a boyfriend. It's not bad to be ministry, but they're, they're not bad things. But when we look to them to satisfy the thirst of our souls, we, it becomes wrong. Um, it becomes sinful because we have forsaken God, the fountain of living waters and run to these people. And then anything that we, we idolize, we end up distorting it. We end up losing all the benefits that that friendship would have had to give us because Mm -hmm. we're trying to replace Jesus with that friendship. And so it becomes something unhealthy. And, um, I think it's good too, if, for people to hear that if it feels natural for you to want to be with a friend in that sexual way, in a, in a way that's maybe surprising to you, again, the world would say, if that feels natural to you, then that's your real identity, you know, your sexual, real sexual identity. Mm. But the Bible would say sin is very natural to us. It's very natural for us to, to sin. Um, we are born moving in the wrong direction. We are born with an orientation mm-hmm. toward, um, anything but God. And so it shouldn't surprise us when certain sins feel very natural to us. Um, that's the Bible mm-hmm. has an answer for that. It's like, yeah, you're a sinner. <laughs> um, it can feel very unnatural to walk with God. You know, it's, it cuts against uh-huh. the grain. We're called to pick up our cross and die to ourselves. So Jesus is actually saying to follow me requires you die to things that are part of who you are. You die to you, um, and pick up a new identity and, I know that, you know, certain women that I've talked to who have experienced this in friendship feel extremely discouraged by the fact that at one point in their life, it felt very natural to be sexually like promiscuous with a friend. They feel Mm -hmm. like condemned by that. They start to color their whole life by that. Man, I, I must always, you know, be this way. And it's like, no, you're just, you're just a sinner. You have a great savior and that's not the only sin that's probably natural to you. And you're called to fight all of them and walk toward the Lord, um, in all of them. And I hope that is encouraging to some who might be hearing that. And even if you haven't experienced that, you, the Lord may put you in someone's life who is experiencing that and you get to be a balm of grace to them, hopefully to go, yes, it is sin. Yes, you should repent, but don't let Mm -hmm. the culture put this weight of identity on you and say, oh, this is who you are now. No, you're, you are a female sinner who has a great savior whose name is Jesus. And you are now the righteousness of Christ when you put your faith in him. That's, that's who you are. And that's it. You don't need Mm -hmm. to add anything else to that identity. and that's what enables us, and that new identity is what enables us to fight well against those things. Yes, thank you. That I mean, I think you just said that so well, and just the fact that our culture has so confused friendship, our culture mm-hmm. is so confused, um, having different desires that are different from just the normal, um, mm-hmm. my boyfriend, uh, get married, you know, and so anything outside of that is wrong, or it's or it's considered something different, you know? And like you said, it's just, we are sinners and, you know, just encouraging girls out there that like, just come to the Lord, like talk to him Mm -hmm. about it. And you're not wrong. We're just, Mm -hmm. we're just sinners and messed up. And he has, he has a plan for that, you know? And so, um, being able to just, openly talk about that with the father because he knows and he, Mm -hmm. he sees our hearts and he understands where you're at. And it, 
and we don't have to put a label on it besides the fact that we're messed up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that right. we're sinners. And, yeah. and I think that culture is, has said, okay, well, we need to define this as, you know, homosexual, or we need to define this as, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and, and the truth is like, like you said, it's a idolization issue. And we can go back to so many times in the Bible when the, like nothing has changed. Like since the beginning of time, like God's people were idolizing different things, statues and, mm-hmm. you know, things and people and, and nothing has changed. We still do the same thing. And so it's, yeah. it's a matter of that. And it's of, of understanding and recognizing the signs and symptoms that lead up to that. And then, and then not being afraid to just ask and cry out for help from the Lord and from people. And, um, I know like the biggest moment for me was just a friend coming and, and being like, Hey, Emma, get out. Like you just like, (laughs) you just need, like the Bible says, like to cut off, you know, cut off your arm. If it's causing you sin, like Mm -hmm. you cut it out. And, and that, and that's what I had to do. And, and it was the hardest thing, but the biggest blessing and so much healing came from that. Um, but, but sometimes he just says, you know what, we got to, we got to cut out that sin completely. And so, um, I just want to encourage girls like to reach out to somebody who like you trust, who's like completely outside of that situation. Right. And then, you know, find just like resources and things to help. And so is there any other encouragement like that you have for girls who may be stuck in that or. Yeah, I think what you said is, is really key. Um, if there's um, already been a physical, sexualized aspect to a friendship, if you're in that, then I would say the Bible's really clear on flee sexual immorality. And so get out, run away, you know, get mm-hmm. out of that friendship. And I think we have a really hard time doing that because it's somebody we really care about. But mm-hmm. any friend any friendship that's leading you both into sin continually is, is not, it's not a true friendship. You're not actually being good friends to each other because you are leading one another away from Christ. You actually might be better friends to each other from afar for a season as you essentially take a step back to encourage, hopefully both your hearts to seek the Lord. So, Mm -hmm. um, I would say if there's any, any sexualized behavior going on, talk to somebody, like you said, who's not in the French, who's not your friend mm-hmm. and, and get support and, and make those decisions that are s- super hard, but it's crucial to like, don't wait another day. You need to go do that. But there may be people listening too that maybe that hasn't, it's not there yet, but there is a friendship that's super controlling in your life, um, that you feel like you need that person to be okay. And maybe the thought that that could ever be sexualized is super weird to you. And you're like, that's weird. I've never been there, but you can relate that oh, I'm, I definitely need this friend to be okay. And I'm recognizing that's unhealthy. There's, you might not need to fully cut that, you know, friendship out, um, of your life yet. And I go into a lot of detail in the, in the book about just how to make some of those decisions, um, thoroughly. But I would say one thing that is manifest in a lot of these friendships is that you find yourself operating and making decisions, not as an individual, but as a unit. Um, and one of the best things we can do is remind ourselves that 
in a friendship, we are an individual before Jesus. And so to make those decisions as an individual, um, you don't need to go ask your friend, oh, I think we're kind of unhealthy. What do you think? Let's make this decision together. That usually backfires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a better thing to do if you sense this in your heart is to go to the Lord on your own and talk to God about it. Talk to God about how you feel about your friend. Maybe your friend is about to move or get engaged and you've been feeling really anxious about it and clingy, or maybe something else has happened to kind of alert you that this friendship isn't unhealthy, is unhealthy. Then go talk to Jesus about it first and, and turn to him. And if you see idolatry in that, repent and then talk to someone else who's not that friend, um, a mentor, a pastor's wife in your church, maybe a friend who lives far away that doesn't even know your friend and just say, Hey, I've been feeling this This is what's going on. What do you think? You know, what would be wise for me to do? This is kind of what I'm thinking. And depending on how your friendship has been, you might not even need to talk to your friend. You just might need to deal with your own heart, take some steps back and, and talk to Jesus um, about Mm -hmm. these things. It's really hard. People will write to me all the time and say, essentially, here's my situation. Tell me what to do. What do I do? And it's like, I just, it's, there's no way to give a blanket rule on this because every situation is so complex. I've talked to people who are business partners with their friend and it's unhealthy and that's really complicated. I've talked to people who are cousins and so they're related and you know, it's, there's so many different facets to this, um, that require you to get the wisdom and insight of people who know you and know your life, like fully know the whole picture and can walk with you through that. But it is important to make that decision as an individual, not as like a couple, you know, or, if there's three of you guys and you're seeing it healthy, not to come together and let's make it together, but as an individual before Jesus to run hard after Christ in whatever ways you need to. And, mm. you know, let your friend know, be kind. Don't just abandon ship, you know, without a word. Maybe you need to write a letter and say, hey, I need some space in this friendship as I seek the Lord. And it's not you. It's, you know, I just need to get right with Jesus. And, um, mm-hmm. and if you, you know, I don't this book comes out August 27th, but I've tried my best to put some really helpful guides and things to think through in making these decisions, things that you could work through Mm -hmm. with a mentor or a friend, um, you know, just trying to make it as clear as possible. How, how can I tell if my friendship is unhealthy? How can I fight for health? And what happens at what point do I need to end this friendship or take a step back? Um, what does that look like? And hopefully, um, that'll be a more thorough resource for you to think through some of those things. But, um, most people have never even thought about this at all. Just any friendship and any version of it we assume is, is fine. And I think that's part of the problem is just learning. Friendship is a great gift, but like any of God's gifts, we can put it, we can make it too important. We can elevate it above Jesus and distort it. And, so it's just learning to have the same filter for those friendships and those relationships as we might have for anything else in our life. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that that you're talking about it, that you are putting out a resource like that, because again, like it's not talked about enough and this whole conversation might be completely new to a bunch of people or mm-hmm. it could, you know, fall near and dear to somebody's heart. And so um, I'm so thankful that you're talking about it. And so we're excited for your book. <laughs> So let's go through, I have three questions that I ask every guest. And so let's, let's go through these and I'm excited to hear your answers. So the first one is what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? Oh man, one thing that, <laughs> that's a hard question. One thing I, I know. 
I know. One thing I wish I knew as a 20-something, um, that faithfulness um, is way more important than what I do, my accomplishments. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. But no, totally. It's really easy, I think, to have really big dreams about your life in your 20s and want to like change the world, which I think is really good. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, we see a lot of things that we want to see changed. You know, we want to do stuff. We have desires and passions and um, it can feel really tempting to just, what can I get done? You know? <laughs> and yes, I really feel like the Lord dealt with me on that as I got married as a 20 something. And then I had all these desires to like do ministry stuff, but then my husband was doing music ministry and my only job that I could do that made sense was like organize the t-shirts and stand behind a merchandise table and coach volunteers and how to use our little credit card machine before the square was out, you know? Um, and I feel like the Lord really gave me a lot of training in, are you going to be faithful? <laughs> are you going to do well? What's in front of you? And now when I, now I'm in my thirties, man, there's so much more fruit that was born from things that were just, I'm going to be faithful in this versus things maybe that I was like, I'm going to change the world in this area. I'm going to like, you know, mm-hmm. have this big bang, this thing that I do. So yeah, I think I, I think I was learning that in my twenties, but I wish I would have been more convinced of that. That at yeah. the end of my life, being faithful, like, and, and what I mean by that is just whatever is in front of me to do, whatever the Lord has given me to do right now, that I'm going to do it with a hundred percent of what I have to give to that, whether it's holding the laundry, you know, or doing my job as a temp, you know, in a company or whatever, man, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I'm going to know that's changing the world. When I work hard at whatever I do as for the Lord and not for man, that that has lasting changing power, even more than like, I'm going to start a ministry or, you know, a blog, not that those right. things are bad, but you know, like, I think I gave more weight to those things than the, the small faithfulness. So yeah. Yeah. We, we are dreamers for sure, but it's so true. Yes. Like <laughs> you putting so much weight on like specifically what we're doing and, and, or like what we think will be, um, like a cool job or think will change the world. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, and instead just being like faithful to what he's given us right now. So mm-hmm. I, agree. I think we can relate a lot to that. Okay. Next, what are you like reading, listening to, and or watching these days? Um, reading, um, I've been reading for Samuel right now. Yeah. I love that book. So I've been just paying, paying attention to a lot of the details. That's a lot of the Mm -hmm. story of you know, Saul and David and David's running from Saul and just seeing a, a lot of things jump out at me. Um, so that's been super encouraging. And um, I've kind of taken a break um, from a lot of my reading outside of the Bible, just this season's kind of busy getting ready for this book to come out. Um, yeah. But I love reading books, but honestly, like currently I've just, I'm always like, just stick into the word of God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's where uh-huh. I am right now. And no, yeah, um, great. And yeah. listening to, I've been listening to that, um, the new worship initiative album. I don't know if you're listening oh, to yeah. with Shane and Shane and they just released a new, um, album that's all female vocalists. 
I've just been oh. loving that album. It's I think volume 17 and just some really great songs on there. And then um, as a family, we've been watching the Great British Baking Show. So that's been <laughs> that's really awesome. great. You're um, the second person to say that in like the last week. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I honestly, Jimmy and the kids started watching it when he was like giving me days out to like write. And I was like, nah, this looks really boring. I'm not really interested. And then I started <laughs> sitting down and watching it with them. And it's been really fun. Now, I also love baking. So I feel like I'm kind of half learning and half, yeah. you know, watching these you know, really cool expressions of creativity and like, wow, God is so creative. How he could make <laughs> flour and water and heat, you know, can make this amazing thing. So yeah, that's, it's <laughs> that's really so fun. true. I love that. I love that. That's so fun. And it's like a good family show, you know, it not a, you, you don't, you can feel safe watching that with your kids, right? Exactly. And British um, people, I do feel like are so less like, I don't know. It, they're Rude like to each other. helping each other when, you know, somebody finishes early. They're like, it's not, you know, they kind of all wish the best. It's not super dramatic. It's not and, as competitive. Right. So it's yeah. kind of fun. It's, it's kind of a nice change from other shows we watch, like, you know, whatever. I can't think of one yeah. right now. But <laughs> the Bachelor. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. And then lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Like anything is just, that's just giving you life. Mm. Man, being outside, I have, um, I, I just need to get outside of the four walls of my house, especially when I feel weighed down with a lot of tasks that have due dates, you know, and, and I kind of feel the pressure of that or the anxiety yeah. of that. And yeah, I don't know. You can just get in your head that it's all up to me to keep my life together. <laughs> There's something about mm -hmm. sitting on my front porch, you know, even though it's hot down here in Texas and just staring yeah. at the trees. And I mean this, I, you know, I say this to a lot of people in my life, maybe it's super lame, but like, I, I love looking at trees and thinking about there is no human who's ever existed who could take raw materials and make a tree. No one can do that. You have to start with a seed that already existed. Like only God can make trees. Like that tree, mm -hmm. only the Lord can handcraft that thing. Um, and I, I don't know, there's something really personal about that, just being in creation and, and looking around and noticing the things that God makes and being reminded that he is that real. Um, he's that detailed. He's that aware. Um, those trees in my front yard are alive because he waters them with the rain and that he's that detailed, aware and faithful in my own life. So that, that has been a huge blessing and a discipline that I'm regularly inserting into my life right now is I'm going to go sit outside yeah. for 20 minutes and just breathe and think about God and remind myself that he holds my life together. So I would say that. And then, um, Playing games or having dance parties with my kids has been <laughs> an also great break. Um, we do a lot of dance parties and um, we have a lot of board games now and things that just little fun things that are easy for all our kids to do. And <laughs> that's a great refresher. Again, they're just so, they're not worried about the bills, you know? In yeah. The and it's so good to be around kids and go, I'm supposed to be like you and just yes. lighthearted and fun and free. It's been so, it's so refreshing to have little ones in your house. I'm really grateful for this season. Yeah, that is so fun. Yeah, I'm a teacher and I'm all the time reminded like just of just their little worldviews, you know, and I'm like, man, mm -hmm. oh, what, 
what it would be like to be a kid again. Uh, so I kind of pretend that I am a lot. Hey, you can't go wrong with that, honestly. I think that's right. Even right. Jesus <laughs> says that we're supposed to act childlike, right? I mean, no, there's like a maturity that comes with it, but still, like, loosen up, people. Exactly. The essence of, of those little ones, we're meant to carry it with us as believers. Yes, so. that's right. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> I I 100% agree. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for coming on today, Kelly. I loved having you and I'm so thankful just for this conversation and and the fact that it's not talked about a lot. And so I'm just Mm -hmm. so excited for your book and um, just just the opportunity to have this topic be out there in the world a little bit more. And so we are cheering you on. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you today. Dang, y'all. I am so thankful that you came on to listen today. And I pray that God has opened your heart and mind to something you didn't know before surrounding the topic of friendship. I know it can be tricky and some of what we talked about could be confusing or you may have never heard of some of this before. So please check out Kelly's book since she explains it super well. And feel free to reach out to me or Kelly with any questions. Thank you for listening in today, and I would love if you would share this episode with a friend and write a quick review and give the podcast a rating. It helps so much because of the iTunes algorithms. I love each one of you, and I'm thankful for your support. Lilas, Billy, Hags, catch you back next week. Stay fresh, my people.